then if you go to Revelation, we're in chapter 21 now. And in, in this um, section of Revelation, there, there are three very important scenes here for us to, to look at. And uh, very glorious scenes. And uh, it's sort of like uh, John is setting up a long ending for us. And I think the long ending here is to give us hope today that there's going to be a great renewal. So beginning at chapter 21, verse 1, it says this, <clears throat> Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with him, and they will be his people." And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also He said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. What if someone told you that you could have a new start on your life? What if someone told you that um, everything in your past disappears and everything in your life becomes new and, and, and you can start all over again. With um, all, all those past uh, things that, that, that you had that went wrong in your life, gone. And all those uh, sorrows and pains that you had could disappear. Some people will say that sorrow and pain is what makes us what we are. But, 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 but what if you could start things over again? Are, are, are there things in your life that, that, that you've regretted? Th things that, that, that you wish that you had said. Things that you wish that, that you could have a do-over on. And, 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 and as a bonus of, of with all that, you, know, you, you don't have any more um, aches or pains or sorrows or those kinds of things. You can start everything fresh and anew. What if someone told you that, that, that you could have a brand new life? I think some people would jump at that chance, especially um, people who have um, li lived lives of such uh, despair and, and of, of, of sinfulness and, and of guilt and of shame. I think some people would, would like to have that kind of 
reset, that kind of renewal, that kind of thing happen. I think some people might, might long for that. Maybe not everyone, maybe most of you are happy with, with your lives the way that they are. But, what, but, but, but some of you, you know, um, I mean, we, we had a, a, a long prayer request, a long list of prayer requests this morning because of suffering and sorrow and pain and things that we're going through. And, 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 and what if somebody told you that, that, all, that all that pain, all, all that suffering, all, all, all the things that come with, with, with growing old and, 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 and old age, what if all those things could disappear and, and, and uh, you would be a renewed person, a fully healed person? But that's just what the Bible is, is telling us is going to happen. That's just, what, um, the, 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 that's just what God made this world for. And one day there's going to be a great renewal where, where all these things disappear and, and, and a brand new age comes in. And I think many of us have, would look at that and say, you know, well, that's, that's all nice and rosy. That's, that's pie in the sky kind of stuff. That, 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 that sounds all happy and nice and all this stuff. But that can't really happen. I think, I think in, in our modern age, we've fallen into what we call nihilism. Uh, nihil, is, or, or nihil the, the word nil, is, is the Greek word for zero. <laughs> that means, or nothing. So, so nihilism means that we are from nothing and we're going towards nothing. And nothing else matters in this life except our current existence on earth. And that, 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 that there's no purpose... We're, we're, we're just biological creatures, the products of evolution. And in the end, there, there's only our death. And the only thing that we could do is make a mark in, in, in our current age. But where's the hope in that? You know, if, 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 uh, if, if that's true, that, that, that there's nothing coming at the end of, of my life, then, then that means my, my existence is meaningless. The, the work that, 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 I'm, that I'm doing right now is meaningless. I had a professor one time tell me a story about this uh, doctor that, that he, he knew. and um, <clears throat> you know uh, he, he didn't like the chaplains that were there, and especially he didn't like my, my professor who was a chaplain at this hospital. And uh, <clears throat> one day, uh, the... Uh, my, my professor was trying to get on the elevator and this doctor was there and the doctor, um, he, he and the doctor kind of bumped into each other and the doctor just kind of looked at him and said, what are you even doing here? My professor said, well, he says, what are you doing here? <laughs> kind of toward it back to him. He says, well, I'm here to help heal people. And my professor said, well, you know what? 100% of your patients die. He said, what? He said, 100% of your patients die, don't they? He says, well, yeah, I guess, ultimately. And he says, so, so what are you doing here? He says, I'm here to give them peace and comfort and hope that there's something better coming after this life. And that gives them comfort and hope and joy right now. You know, you're, you're just healing them to send them back home to die. 
And that doctor just kind of held his head down after that. Later on, as, as my professor, who was the chaplain at that time, interacted with this professor later on, he said, you know what? You were right. And because you were right, I started attending my Lutheran church again, which I had abandoned long ago. Because if there, because if there is no purpose, if this, if this world is not moving towards something better and greater, then, then what's the point? What's the purpose? I think I mean, the biggest reason I believe the Bible is because it gives us the purpose that comes to life. The purpose at the end of time is for us to live in, in this beautiful realm with God, His, His original intention, where He has taken away, you know, there, there's not any sorrow, no more pain, no, no more trouble and strife. But, 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 but this great and glorious life is it, described in Genesis 1 in the garden. And what ruined it is because mankind turned their hearts away from God, said, I don't need you. I can determine what's right and wrong by, by eating of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. I don't need God to tell me what's right and wrong. That, that, that's essentially the lesson of, of Genesis chapter 3. God created the world to be good. He created it to be a paradise. He created it to have a, a close relationship with mankind. And mankind, by disobeying God, turned turn, turn their, their, themselves away from Him long ago. And the world has fallen into chaos because of that. And it wasn't long after that that um, their son, Cain, killed his brother Abel. It wasn't long after that that um, one of their descendants named Lamech um, became a very violent man and, and, and a tribal leader who... Um, took two wives and treated them as slaves. You know, people talk about polygamy in the Bible, but, but it, it, it's never looked at polygamy favorably, if you ever look at it. It existed, but it was not something that God wanted or planned. Eventually, Genesis chapter 6, violence filled the earth so much so that God had to wipe it out and start over. He says that, that the hearts of men were, um, every imagination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil all the time. An utter corruption. But God wasn't done with humanity yet. He saved a few of them and put them in, put them in an ark, Noah and his family. And then, then all the way through chapter 11, there was a great world empire led by Nimrod, whom I think is um, Hammurabi, if you ever heard of Hammurabi in ancient times. But anyway, he, he, he started the kingdom um, and, and they built the, the Tower of Babel and that he was going to rule the world and set himself up as God. And then God again struck the people and confused their languages and they spread throughout the earth. Genesis 1-11 through 11 is the story of the corruption and the fall of the whole earth. Up until the time of Abraham, who became God's righteous chosen person. Why? Because Abraham believed God and he credited to him as righteousness. But the world has, has you know, the good things that God created, the, the great and beautiful earth, that, that we can still walk out and, and, and see how wonderful and beautiful it is at times, has been corrupted. It's, it's, it's not lost, it's not gone, but it's been corrupted. One day, all that's going to be here in this world 
is that beauty and majesty that we see. It's all going to change. It's all going to be renewed. It's all going to pass away. And a new heaven and a new earth are going to come. A great renewal. Just like the Garden of Eden. No more sea. Why? Because the, the sea has created divisions between the continents. <laughs> and it's no longer necessary. Everything is going to be bigger and greater. I love the children's story, the Chronicles of Narnia, that, that whole series. I don't know if you've ever read it by C.S. Lewis. Or maybe you've seen the, the, the movies that uh, Disney produced. They, they were pretty good. I wish they would have done the last battle, the final book, because that is the greatest book of all of them, I think. And um, after a time of great suffering in Narnia, where, where they set up this evil, fake king, and, and, and they dressed him up to look like um, the lion, Aslan, who was the Christ figure of all this, and all, all, all of that gets worked out. And all of a sudden, um, the stars and the sky fell, everything grew dark, and there was a doorway made, and only a few could enter that doorway. And, and those who entered that doorway were welcomed in. The door was shut. That old Narnia passed away. And, and, and they walked into this new and glorious future. And one of the ways that they, they described it is, wow, everything's bigger. You know, C.S. Lewis was an Englishman. He says, and all of his characters said, look, England is huge now. It's bigger than it ever was. And, and Narnia is bigger than it ever was. And, 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 and the cry of the animals was further up and further in. And it takes you through these scenes, in, just like here in Revelation, where it takes you to the new creation. Then it's going to take us to the, the, new, the new city. And then it's going to take us to the, the throne room and the river of life, and, and, and so on and so forth. Further up and further in was their cry, and they keep seeing all these wonderful scenes. That's God's intention for the world. To sweep away the corruption that, was on, that, that, that came into this world and bring in this new and glorious age where all things that were broken are restored. Where all things that, that were wiped away and, 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 and corrupted by mankind are going to be renewed. Everything that, that exists is going to be glorious. It's, it's, it's going to be remade. It's going to be glorious. And we can't even imagine what's about to happen. And so what God is doing here is he's, he's fulfilling ancient promises in the book of Revelation. They see a new heaven and a new earth because the old heaven and earth have passed away. Everything's become new. They see the new city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared and adorned as a bride for her husband. We've seen these glorious and wonderful things in life, and he's using it to, to describe what's going to happen. Jerusalem. And, and, and this wedding imagery, you know, uh, Genesis, um, humanity begins with a wedding, and it ends with a wedding. This is the consummation, so to speak, of all history. God fulfilling his covenant promises to his bride, his faithful people. And they're coming together forever in a glorious new future where God will be their God and they will be His children. And he tells John to write this down for these words are faithful and true. He's telling John in his day 
John, I'm encouraging you. This is what's going to happen. Write it down and, and, and tell the people this is what all history is moving towards. This is what God's intention for the world is. For Him to come and dwell with His people again, to have no more um, sin, no more wickedness, to separate them, no more rebellion. And all is going to be holiness. In fact, he says here in, in verse 2 of chapter 21, I saw the holy city, Jerusalem. The thing about that is, only the holy will be able to enter into this new and glorious future with God. Only those who have given themselves. The word holy, first and foremost, means to be set apart for God. Or set apart by God. Belonging to God. Possessed by God. There is a moral component to that where God um, transforms our hearts and removes that, that sin and wickedness when we repent and believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, that He has suffered and died for our sins. And it's not up to us to, to all of a sudden become holy. God makes us holy. The only thing is we've, we've got to surrender to God's plan and allow Him to work in our lives. But nothing unholy will be allowed to enter this holy city of Jerusalem only those who have been made holy by God. This is what everything in the Old Testament was pointing towards. Everything, all of history, was moving towards this great and wonderful event. God coming to dwell with His people. But He has to make all things new for it to work. And He has to make us new to make all this work. Nothing evil will be able to enter into God's presence, it says here. Verse 8, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, those who defile themselves, in other words, with all kinds of debauchery, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, oh my goodness, have you been on the news lately? <laughs> Sorcerers, the, um, ancient, the, the Greek word for that is pharmakia, which has to do with uh, you know, using drugs and those kinds of things to uh, be able to divine the future. So if you want to put that in modern terms, drug abusers, <laughs> idolaters, those who worship false gods and images, and it says, and all liars too. Whoops. <laughs> Better be careful there. Their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with the fire and sulfur, which is the second death. See, there's a physical death that all, all flesh must go through. But the second death is eternal separation from God in the place of torment where there is darkness, Jesus said, and there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. A lake of burning fire and salt that burns for all eternity. That's the fate of those who continue to reject God. That's the fate of those who continue to corrupt people. That, that's the um, fate of those who continue to corrupt the world around them. <laughs> 
and corrupt culture and, 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 and who destroy the things of God, they purposefully and willfully turn their hearts away from God. If you remember all the book of Revelation that we've been talking about, everything that God does, that there is a pause, there is a reason. He holds back His judgment um, from completely destroying people for one reason, in the hopes that they would turn back to Him rather, rather than suffer these judgments. That they would acknowledge Him as God and they would turn their hearts towards Him. It's why He doesn't destroy all the trees and plants of the field. He only destroys a third of them. He only, he only, just, he, he only attacks a third of mankind, it talks about. At every point, He, he, he um, causes this, uh, this plague to fall on the people for five months. And at the end of it, He says, you know, talks about people repenting. Did, did they repent of their deeds? Are they going to repent of their deeds? There's times that John says yes, because of this. Some people did turn from their, their wicked deeds. At other times it says no, that they refuse. They harden their hearts towards God. God has given them chance after chance after chance after chance to end the corruption in their hearts. But one of the things that we also have to remember as believers in Jesus Christ is there but by the grace of God go I. Paul talks a lot about this in Romans. He says this in, in Romans 1.21, For although they knew God, and he's talking about humanity here, he's not talking about just the sinners, for although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but because but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. All of mankind's heart is darkened. Romans 3.23, he says, Paul says this, For all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That corruption goes into all mankind. It's not just that God has predetermined who's going to be righteous and who's not going to be righteous. It's not that God has predetermined who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. All of humanity is corrupted. It's an evening play, even playing field. And the only way out of that corruption is to allow God to renew our hearts in the present so that we can be in that great renewal at the end of history. We've got to allow God to renew our hearts through Jesus Christ. This is His grand plan of salvation. This was His purpose. All of it was leading to this idea of restoring what God created in the Garden of Eden. It's going to happen whether we're, whether we're ready for it or not. God is going to do this great renewal where he sweeps wickedness and corruption and evil out of the world and sets up his glorious kingdom where his faithful people, the people who, who gave their hearts and lives to him, the people who conquered, it says here in, in this life, who conquered sin, who conquered death through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, only those are going to be able to enter, enter into his kingdom. And the only way to do that is to, right now in the present, say, Lord Help me, a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my sins, Lord. 
I believe in your son Jesus Christ died and suffered for my sins so that I can be transformed in my heart. And so that I can be ready when God comes to live in that holy city with Him. Jesus is the door to this glorious kingdom. Only He can open it. And only He can shut it. It's best for us to know the doorkeeper. <laughs> it's best for us to know the doorkeeper. How do we know the doorkeeper? Again. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, if you've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins, if you've never asked Him to apply His blood to your life and cleanse you from, from all that corruption, then you can do that right now. If you truly repent of your sins from the heart, He is faithful and just to forgive, forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John talks about that in his letter, 1 John, the same writer of the book of Revelation. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The scripture I just read, Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but what follows that is this, and are justified freely by the grace of through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. To be justified means to be made right before God, a holy God, through what Jesus Christ did on the cross by paying a price for us with His own life. The way of salvation has been secured. All we have to do is ask Him for it. I agree in my heart to turn away from my past sins and I agree to follow you, Lord, all my life. And also, I would say this too, and it's also very important. When you become a Christian, you're brought into a new relationship with God through His Holy Spirit, which comes into us and communes with us. It then becomes your responsibility to maintain that relationship. Because... Unfortunately, the world is still corrupt. The world is still full of sin. The world is still full of temptations that we could fall into and, and, and be dragged away and enticed, the Bible talks about. We have to, in our hearts, stay close to God. To, to pray, to commune with Him, to seek Him out day by day, to ask Him to help me stay away from all temptation. Help me in, to protect my mind, Lord. Protect my heart from these things. God doesn't pull us out of the world, but we're not to be of the world. Everything that, that we do, everything, every, every part of our life, every aspect of, of our life, every thought that we have ought to be held captive to God in Christ. And, and even more so than that, when things in our lives look bleak, 
when things look terrible, when things look like they're never going to work out like they should. We need to remember that one day, God is going to break into this world. He's going to transform all of this in, in a great renewal. And I'm going, to, I'm going to get to be a part of it. And so whatever temporary things I'm going through, these temporal sufferings that I'm going through right now, do not compare to what God has waiting for me. Not just when I die on the other side, but when He comes and, and makes all things new and sweeps away all the sorrow and pain and suffering and sin. As believers, we have an infinite hope in that. And we dare not allow the world and its corruption drag us away and lead us away from Christ. So if you are a believer today, hold on to faith in Him all the way and always have an infinite hope in Him that I know one day, Lord, that everything I'm going through is temporary and one day there's going to be a great renewal where I get to live with you forever in your kingdom. It's something our world is missing today. It's something our, that our world longs for today. For so many people, this life is it, and after that, nothing. And so there is no hope. There is no purpose. There, there's only the present thing for them. But for us, we have a glorious future waiting for us if we hold on to Him in faith. A new heaven, a new earth, a great renewal. And God revealed it to John long ago to give it to us so that we can be encouraged today. Let's stand.